Welcome to the Saints of San Francisco podcast, where we dive into work, faith, and fulfillment. This is a podcast for the modern Christian professional. I'm your host, Isaac Hall. Saints. Uh, we have a very special, special guest today, and I actually wanted to have him on on one of the uh, latter episodes because apparently podcasts, they die out at episode seven or eight. So, you know, as a congratulatory gift to myself for going past that mark, I wanted to have my pastor, the pastor, Michael Mickey Cho. <laughs> Wow, I haven't been called Michael in such a long time. Yeah, I had to, I had to say that to make it formal. Um, because you, you are my pastor, and as much as you are my friend, uh, I'm, I'm very honored to have you have you on. And I'm so excited to have a guest celebrity uh, come on for my podcast. So, uh, Mickey, did you want to do a short self-introduction? Wow, I, I wouldn't label myself a guest celebrity, but I'm very flattered by your words, Isaac. I'm really happy to be on Saints of SF. I've been tuning in every week, and it's been such an incredible journey. And so it's my honor and my privilege to be here. And you've been doing such a great job. And so I'm excited to be part of this project. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Mickey. Um, I am a pastor here in the San Francisco Bay Area. My wife and I launched a church in 2018 called 99. And so we've been pastoring. I'm also creative on the side, all things creative and a father to fur pets, a dog named Fig and an, a cat named Olive and a husband to a beautiful wife named Krista. And that's pretty much me. Um, I don't really care if you follow me on social, but I am on Instagram at Mickey Cho. And you could also find more about our church on Instagram at 99.church. And so that's all things me. Awesome. And I have to double down on what Mickey said about him being creative. He's actually a very talented guy, but please don't go to him for, you know, you know, video creation requests or for music <laughs> or anything. Although he's, he's great at everything he touches and maybe you could um, talk about that a little bit more as we continue on about perhaps hobbies or things you've improved on in 2020 when you're in quarantine. But uh, to start off, this session, we're going to start off with the uh, icebreaker question, which is, what are the top three activities you'd want to do once quarantine is over? This is a, a really fantastic question, Isaac, because there's a lot of things that I've been missing throughout 2020 and the early 2021. Probably top of my list, um, I am a huge movie fan, and there is something lost in the pandemic in going to see movies in person, being in the theater with friends or even by yourself and just having that cinematic experience. And there's so many movies that were pushed to 2021, now 2022, and the movie industry is taking a big hit. Um, and so one thing that I'm gonna do right when the pandemic is over and we're all vaccinated and safe is I'm just gonna go and watch a movie an entire 24 hours in a day, back to back in a movie theater <laughs> and just enjoy the cinematic experience, bring a sleeping bag and just have the best time in my life. So that's one thing. Um, two other things. Another thing which might be more obvious than others is I just miss being at church with people. 
And so one thing I'm really looking forward to is just having that in-person physical community, uh, worshiping and praying together in a church community. And so that's something I'm really looking forward to. And last thing might be a little simple, but I just want to be inside a restaurant and have a bunch of people around me, hear them talking, eating together. And so I can't wait to go out to a restaurant to eat. Um, specifically, I'm excited to go to Santung, which right now would probably be really dangerous to eat at because it's always overcrowded. But that's something <laughs> I'm really looking forward to. That's awesome. That's so wholesome. And hopefully I could join you for that 24-hour marathon. I don't know if I could make it all the way there to the very end. Um, but I, I did watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy, all three movies at once. So, Oh, my um, gosh. That would be amazing to rewatch in theaters. So good. Have you done anything like that? Like watch multiple trilogies in one day? So not just one trilogy, but like multiple in a day. You know, I'll, we rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy now that you mentioned it last year. And I think we got through a fair number of them in one day. And so I'm with you on that. I think that's a great <laughs> trilogy to rewatch. That's awesome. And I called dibs on us hanging out and eating at a restaurant for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I'm curious what's one thing you would want to do after quarantine's over. Oh, Mickey, glad you asked. <laughs> I never get asked questions. I want to um, ask you questions, Isaac. Our your listeners want to know you too. To be honest, I you know not that you're. It's because that you're here, um, but I, I do think that I do want to go back to church. I think it's been such a, a pivotal part of my life, and I think um, when I first moved up to the Bay Area, I mean, I had friends up here, but I think church, not just in the theological or religious sense, but also just for like my mental and emotional well-being it was it did wonders i'm just finding a supportive community yeah um, that's like-minded that want to press forward in understanding god more and getting closer to him and kind of um living out that life um and and you know zoom calls are good and online church you've been doing an amazing job and i think everyone had to pivot and um, make choices that they didn't want to Right. Uh, to ensure the survival of their company or their church. But I do think that there is a special place to actually go and physically be a part of church or community. So I'm super excited um, yeah. to, to go back. Right. Hey, that's a great answer. That's a, a solid A plus Christian answer. <laughs> and so I'm a proud pastor right now. Maybe I'm trying to get brownie points while you're on because. You know, <laughs> You, you are the face and the mouth of God, at least on this podcast. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, it's good to have you here, Mickey. Um, and I think you're probably going to be one of the only pastors that are going to be on this podcast. So I think my first question would be, um, you, you've had a pretty exciting career in music. And the first time someone mentioned to me, hey, like, Mickey was actually a rapper and he rapped with all these famous people like lyrics um, who I looked up to when, when I was younger. And then I went mm -hmm. on your Spotify account and saw that you had hundreds of thousands of views and you're like, Hey, I got this check uh, for like, you know, royalty income for all the music that I put out. And you know, that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and when I heard that and I saw that, I was just like, Oh, this guy's like really talented. So could you tell us a little bit more about, your childhood, how you got into rapping, and then how you became a pastor? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think 
when I think about my childhood, there's two um, images that are kind of etched into my brain. The first is a picture of me as a five-year-old kid in these big blue baggy overalls praying outdoors in front of my family. So all my family's there and I'm just in front of them praying. And I kind of remember that moment because I remember I was praying in perfect Korean, which is funny because I'm the worst Korean speaker that you know today. <laughs> like I have white, I have white friends that speak better Korean than me. You know, 한국말 잘 못해요. But that picture sticks out. And I just remember having this early fascination with God and with the church while I was growing up. And then the second image that I can that's kind of etched into my brain is this picture of me dressed um, with a big wide brimmed hat and gloves, shiny gloves, because when I was younger, I used to imitate Michael Jackson and do his dances in front of my family too. And so I've always had this fascination with performing with the arts and with music and dance specifically, even though dance hasn't really materialized in my career. And so I've always had this fascination with music and with God. And so as I was growing up, like any other kid that was raised in my era, um, one of the big movies that came out was Eight Mile featuring mm-hmm. Eminem, Marshall Mathers. And I think there's a, a, a lot of kids in my generation that saw that movie and thought, I want to be a rapper. I want to get into hip hop. And so mix that with my early fascination with a lot of hip hop, with a lot of the, the great rappers like Nas and Jay-Z, Tupac, Biggie. I used to spend a lot of time just spending hours memorizing their lyrics and reciting them. And so I I just had this love for hip hop and then watching movies like eight mile just made me want to get into hip hop and start to rap. And so I remember um, early memories of me. I didn't have any microphones or recording equipments, but I had my answering machine. And so I remember I would record small snippets of me rapping over these random instrumentals I found online on my answering machine and just playing it back as if it was recording. And so I I just continued uh, diving deeper into music and what it took to make music. And eventually I started writing my own songs and started writing my own lyrics. I started making my own beats. Um, But I would say it wasn't until college that um, I linked up with one of my good friends, Christopher, and we started a rap super group called OPCC, O-P-C-C, which actually stood for Operation Cupcake. I don't know what that meant, but it meant something to us back then. And we started rapping and then we released music on, at the time, MySpace and released videos on YouTube and it started getting traction. And so um, that's kind of unofficially when my quote unquote rap career took off. Um, But it wasn't until a few years later where I started taking it a little more seriously. Our band broke up. Um, Christopher pursued photography and I continued (laughs) to pursue music. And people started noticing and inviting me to their events. And at first it started off with like youth youth night revivals and praise nights and all these Christian youth events, Uh, but eventually it became a little wider and it led me to a lot of amazing opportunities to tour here in the United States, uh, to tour overseas in places like Asia. And so that's kind of how it happened. And so it started with a little answering machine, but all of a sudden doors started opening when I started continuing on that trajectory. Oh man, what what a story about persistence and creativity and a little bit of ingenuity. Um, Matt, I didn't know you got to tour in Asia. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a pretty cool experience. We went to Hong Kong, Cambodia, and South Korea. And so that was really fun. 
Oh my gosh. So I'm uh, hopefully your, your head didn't explode into like the size of like a hot air balloon with all the traction you've been getting. How'd you feel once you started, um, you know, getting invites to tours and things like that as a rapper? Um, at first I was really shocked that people wanted to invite me and pay me and listen to me. Um, and so at first there was a, a lot of insecurities that really popped up because I started wondering why do they really want me there? And like, is, is my act kind of like a novelty because I don't really look like a rapper. I look like a math teacher or, you know, Russell from <laughs> up. Um, but then when I open my mouth and I start rapping, people actually think I'm good. And so at first there was just so many insecurities that were bubbling inside of me. And yeah. I kind of had imposter syndrome where I would go to these shows and I would feel like I need to be this way or that way. And so it took me a while to really find my voice. Um, but as I continued, I started realizing this is a God-given gift and I could be proud of that. And I don't need to be falsely humble and wow. I can accept compliments and really just understand what I bring to people and celebrate that. And so it was quite a journey to get there though, but it's a really important one that I found that I needed. Wow. So, so you, you kind of went on this journey. So it wasn't just a, a passion and a, a career in your lifetime. It actually helped you um, face those fears and, and bring out the skeletons in the closet and get rid of this imposter syndrome. So how do you go from that to pastoring? <laughs> because a lot of people would be like, oh, well, Nicky grew up. He liked performing. He was a great rapper. He got paid to do it. He went, you know, to different continents outside of America. Um, but, but, you know, there's that part of you, you've been going to church for a very long period of time and you've been integrated with the church and then you make a jump from music and performing to pastoring. So how did that transition happen? That is also a great question, Isaac. You're just coming with these hot questions. I mean, I, I can't keep <laughs> up, but, um, and so simultaneously, while I was kind of treating hip hop and rapping like a hobby, I was posting YouTube videos, I was recording songs, but I was also really active in serving at church. Uh, this was at UC Davis in college. That's actually where I recorded my first album was right. Um, half of it was in college and half was right when I finished. And so that was a really special community because I was actively serving God at the same time. And Yo, if you've ever worked at a Korean church, like they work you. Like I, I was just a children's teacher and a worship leader, but Sundays look like show, showing up at church at 8 a.m. and then leaving at 10 p.m. Like they, Jeez. I served hard. Um, but it was, it was interesting because during that season, um, I tell this story a lot when I preach, but I, on one of my birthdays, I felt this holy call to fast and to pray. And so instead of like throwing a birthday party, I decided I want to go um, into the mountains by myself and just fast and pray that entire day. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it was for my 22nd birthday, I decided to get away and I went up into the mountains. Uh, there's this place in Santa Cruz called Prayer Mountain, which is virtually free if you just show up and reserve a spot. And it's literally just these small cabins in the middle of these giant trees. You're out there in the middle of nowhere. And as I was there fasting, every birthday, I had been asking God for a birthday gift. And so during that time, I just 
sat there in my cabin, just worshiping, praying, reading the Bible. And I was asking God, God, I would like to receive a birthday gift from you. Mm -hmm. And so I was there all day, starving, cold, hungry, started to get dark and it was scary. But I kept asking God, God, I want my birthday gift. Like, what do you have to give to me this year? And you know, the day was winding down. It was like 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m. And the day was almost coming to a close. And I hadn't heard anything or received anything. So I was getting kind of worried. And then it became 11 p.m. And then 11.55 p.m., five minutes left. I'm like, God, you got to answer me. You got to give me something. I'm fasting today. I'm, I'm neglecting my cake to be out here for you. And then midnight hit. And I still didn't hear anything. And so I was a little bit disappointed. But I just sat there a little longer. And as I was sitting, for some reason, um, I saw this image in my mind's eye, in my head, of these Korean little ice cream fishes. I don't know if you know them, but they have like the red bean and the ice cream in the middle of them, and they're shaped like a fish. And at first, I thought, I'm hallucinating because I haven't eaten anything all day and I'm hungry. <laughs> but then I started to dive deeper. I said, God, what is this? this I feel like this is from you. And he immediately took me to the passage and it's actually found in all four gospels of the, of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the one in particular about a little boy, all he had were five loaves of bread and two fish. Mm -hmm. um, but Jesus multiplied it to feed thousands. And I felt like in that moment, God telling me, Mickey, you feel like that little boy and all you have is this little pathetic ice cream, Korean fish. But if you give it to me and put it in my hands, I'll feed the nations. Wow. And so I want you to serve me. And I felt like at that time, that was my calling into full-time ministry. And so, you know, I left that mountain with this calling in my heart. And after that, I knew I had to pursue ministry of some, some sort, of some mm -hmm. variety. And so right after I graduated college, um, I knew the church that I wanted to go to in the Bay Area was Living Hope. And the reason why I wanted to go there was because I really respected the pastors there, Pastor Benjamin Robinson and Sonny Robinson, and I really yeah. wanted to grow under them. And so there was this kind of dilemma because I knew I had this calling to go into ministry, but I also yeah. had this music career that I was really passionate about. And at the time, I couldn't see how both of them could live with each other. Like mm -hmm. if I give myself to one thing, I have to neglect the other thing. Yeah. Um, and so at the time I was not being a, it's funny because now I would never dare to miss a Sunday, but at the time I was missing church like every weekend because I was out touring and I was out performing at different places. And so mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to make it back for church. And so I was pursuing my music career. I was giving my hundred percent into it and I was hitting wall after wall. And so I felt like something wasn't right. Yeah. And then one day my pastor sat me down and it was kind of one of those serious talks where he looked at me and I could feel the vibe in the room. Like, I feel like he's about to rebuke me or something. <laughs> the air is a little colder. Um, I'm, it just feels different. And I remember he looked me in my eyes and he said, Mickey, like, what are you doing? You can't neglect the house of God. You can't neglect your calling. You can't neglect God in this season. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that he challenged me to do at that meeting, and I'm so glad that he did, he said, I know that you have this music career that's taking off and you want to really focus your attention there. Yeah. But can you do this one thing and make it a priority that even if you go on the weekends to go perform, can you come back to make sure that you're in the seat for Sunday service on Sundays? Just wow. give us that and just see what happens. 
And at the time, it felt like a big ask because it felt like, man, my music career is really going to take a hit. Um, It's going to be hard. Like, I'm going to have to pay extra money. I'm going to have to take late night flights. I'm going to be so tired to show up on Sunday. But I decided to take him up on that and just try it. And the crazy thing is, Isaac, during that season was probably the most explosive growth in my music career when I decided to make that one pivot and say... Music is important to me, but I'm not going to neglect the place of God. And so I always tell people, like, if you have multiple passions, it's possible as long as they're in the right order, as long as you prioritize God above everything else. Mm -hmm. And so as that happened, um, I started, my music career started blossoming and blooming more, uh, but I also started getting a lot more involved in ministry. And as that happened, I started to discover like what more and more of what my main calling was. And I found that it was more pastoral than it was to be this big music artist and so naturally as my career continued and as I continued to pursue ministry um, it started focusing a lot more on the ministry aspect and so that's in a nutshell not really in a nutshell it was kind of long but that's kind of how I pivoted from music to the pastoral that makes sense man that's nuts and then then the rest is history you came out and started a church plant out in San Francisco, and then now you're the head pastor of your new church plant. Um, and I think, I think I met you for the first time in 2016 um, in the fall, and, and that's when PB had this like back injury, um, this serious back injury in your preaching. Um, and, and then I happened to come in, I guess, at the right time, the right place at the right time. I feel like, you know, some people call it fate. Some people call it <laughs> destiny. But I think I think you you powerfully moved a lot of people, especially me, for sure. So when you reached out and you're like, hey, we're starting a church plant in San Francisco. Would you like to come? I was just like, okay. And I remember going in that first Sunday service, and it was all leaders. And I was just that random mm-hmm. dude. And then <laughs> yeah, everyone was like, what are you doing here? Like, who is this guy? Um, are you kidding me? You're you're top of the pick. You're your first draft, bro. Like you are top <laughs> pick. Oh, oh, thank you. Not that not that I was uh, invited to be a leader at that time. I was just a guest who came through. But and the rest is history. And so so from 2016 to 2020, a lot has happened. But obviously, you and I and the rest of the listeners know um, what happened last year. So you know, I personally wanted to ask you. 2020 has been um, honestly, a very difficult time for a lot of people, a lot of mm. friends and family and just society in general, countries, nations. Um, but particularly for you, what's been the hardest thing for you to um, deal with and overcome in 2020? Wow, that's a that's a deep question. Yeah, I think like many people that's listening probably everyone that I could think of 2020 was an incredibly difficult year. And I think maybe the biggest thing that I had to reckon with last year uh, personally was that I have limits and boundaries that there are, um, there are places that I can't just press on through where my strength can carry me alone. And I found myself uh, halfway through the year, it was around July, where I was burnt out, where I had overworked myself, where the boundaries between work and personal life and rest were so blurred 
that I found myself at the end of my rope, literally at the end of my strength. I even remember uh, one night I just had this emotional breakdown. Um, my wife, Krista, and I were actually, we got into a fight that night. And so that probably added to my exhaustion. But on top of that, I was just so tired of ministry. Um, probably a lot of pastors felt this, but pivoting from in-person gatherings to having to do everything online, um, at least for us, was a lot. It was a big yeah. pivot. And so there's a lot more things that I had to take care of, especially because our church isn't huge. It's not, you know, we're not stacked with so many people that have and, and resources. And so we were kind of pressed and there's a lot of hats that I had to wear. And I found myself that night just completely burnt out and exhausted from working, from life, from the pandemic. And I remember um, we hadn't resolved our fight. And so we weren't on good terms, but it was like 3 a.m., and I just, I went into the living room and I just broke down and I just had this emotional breakdown where I was crying and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to pastor anymore. Like, I don't want to be in 2020 anymore. And, you know, shout out to my wife because we were, we hadn't resolved our fight, but she heard me crying. She came out and she embraced me and she said, let's, let's do some things differently. Like, let's find ways that we can rest. And yeah. so we actually took a month off. I took a month off from preaching um, mm -hmm. all throughout July, invited a bunch of guest speakers and friends. Um, it's just because I knew that I had limits and I had boundaries that I can't cross where my strength isn't enough anymore. And so I think the biggest thing that I wrestled with and I had to overcome are just the, just the truth, the cold, hard truth that I have limitations and there's yeah. only so far I can push myself. And that I have to regularly invest in myself and rest and create boundaries so that I don't burn out. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a hard pill to swallow, especially as a church planner. I mean, you're starting this podcast. You probably feel right now on cloud nine, like I could do it all. I could keep this going. Um, but I think everyone comes to a point where you realize I can't do as much as I think I can. And yeah. I need more rest than I think I actually do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for being so honest and transparent um, on, the, on the podcast. And I think that, um, I don't know, we, we as mm, not guests, but because we have ownership over the church too, and a lot of people volunteer and put in their time and energy, but none other than the pastor has the goal of shepherding all of these people and to speak truth and the word of God and to manage, you know, operationally a, a nonprofit, right? So I think it's it's hard for us to understand, especially because we only see your good sides, Nikki, and, and you're always transparent in your uh, sermons and you let us know how you're feeling and why you're feeling that way. But uh, most of the times I feel like you're trying to put your best fit forward and you do and, and you execute and you, you know, give a great experience um, and you're a great teacher for a lot of people, but we have to kind of understand too, as well, that you're human, um, mm. that our pastors are human and, and they have limits too. And, you, you know, I think there's not a single person that I know that went unscathed in 2020. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Like 2020 was supposed to be the year that 99, our church plant emerged. Um, and, and for us to do amazing things and receiving the blessings from Pastor Brian down at Echo to, mm. to move forward in our calling. And then, you know, March came around and it just flipped everything. 
um, upside down. So, you know, I just wanted to say thank you for not quitting as a pastor. I don't know where I would have gone um, and, and, and for uh, sticking it through and for being honest on this podcast for, for our listeners and for them to understand that even pastors who receive this blessing from God to, to shepherd everyone have their moments, you know, and, and, yeah. and it's okay. And there's no shame or, or there shouldn't be any sense of guilt to say that you burn out um, and, and you reach your limits and you kind of have to recharge. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so, so good. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. I think honest, if I could add one of my passions uh, as of being a pastor is to humanize pastors. And so I want people to know we don't know everything. I want people to know that we have limitations and I want people to know that we're human. And so that's one of my passions. And so I'm glad that you were able to see that and, you know, lift us up too when we were weak. Yeah. I mean, speaking of humanizing pastors, I mean, there, there, there's some, you know, controversial things in the church that, that I won't bring up, but you know, we've, we've all experienced pain and you've experienced deep pain. Um, and burnout in 2020, what's the most painful thing that you had to watch? It could be about pastors, it could be about mm. the church, or it could be about what you've seen on social media or on the news. Um, what was the most painful thing for you to watch in 2020 if you had to pick one moment? Man, <laughs> it's sad, but there's so many things. Um, some of the things that come to the top of my head is just seeing the collective grief and the frustration and the tiredness of the black community. Um, I think 2020 especially brought a lot of things to the head, but maybe because it's more in my lane, the, the immediate thing that comes to my heart is just um, witnessing the ugly, honest view of the church, the state of the church. And I'm not just talking about our church, 99, or churches here in the Bay Area, but the church collectively, and specifically the Western church, the churches yeah. in the United States. Yeah. I think because that is in my lane, and I can't just cut myself off from them, they're part of the body. I think there is just this grief and this frustration and this anger, just seeing how far from the gospel we really are, um, how we've distorted and tainted um, the real image of Jesus and what the gospel stands for. And I think there's so many cases where that was evident this year. And even we saw it last week, it all come to a head. I think the attack on the Capitol is just an inevitability in so many of the wrong perceptions of Jesus and of the gospel that we've carried for so long now. And I think last year was a reckoning year for the church where I think God just showed us the mirror and showed us so many ways that we've missed the mark on justice, uh, missed the mark on what it means to be the church here in the United States, what it means to lay down our lives for the betterment of others. And so that was probably the hardest thing as a pastor, as a Christian, um, because it is in my lane to witness last year, to see fellow quote unquote brothers and sisters doing things, saying things, and believing things that I felt was so contrary to the heart of God, I think was really difficult. Wow. Yeah. Take a moment to process what you said. And um, and just thinking about all the incidences that has happened within the church 
um, whether it's on a political level or it's on an individual level or it's on uh, a leadership level, I feel like Christianity as a whole in its name, you know, if it were to be like a secular brand has taken so many L's in 2020, but, but um, it's amazing to hear from you, you know, and your perspective of what went wrong, terribly wrong. But we all know that modern Christians and Christianity and the teachings of Jesus isn't what was mirrored, as you mentioned, in 2020. And, and, and moving forward, I think the right answer would be to, you know, be the face of the church and of Christians, um, you know, that is a complete antithesis to what's been occurring in 2021 mm-hmm. and early uh, or 2020 and early 2021. So, so I guess in the spirit yeah. of, you know, this month being a series for new years and new resolutions, um, you know, every year there's a cycle, you know, you start in January, you create all these new year's resolutions and you <laughs> go through it. It ends in December and you have Christmas and then you start that cycle over right. and over again. And I don't know. I personally find that, the whole death and rebirth concept beautiful and, and mm. I uh, personally love it and especially because you're giving yourself um, you know a synthetic uh, restart or reset uh, to right. be here and to kind of improve and iterate on who you were uh, in the present and kind of like moving on from the past so mm. um, I guess a personal question for you is you know we're not all perfect, obviously. We're all sinners at the end of the day. So what part of yourself did you quote-unquote kill? Or, or I should say, you know, you died to yourself in 2020. And what New Year's resolutions or goals did you set for 2021? Wow, that's that's a great question. I mean, I wish I put to death my gut and my love handles <laughs> last year. But was not the case. Um, what did I put to death? Um, I think maybe if we were to put it in those terms, the thing that I killed last year was my need for control. And I think maybe a lot of people did last year too, because there's just so many things that we couldn't control. And we realize how little control we actually have over many circumstances in our lives. And so last year, you know, I would call myself a fairly adaptable, flexible person, but I realized there are still these little death grips of things that I've held on to for control that I just had to learn to let go of. And so last year, I think the thing that I put to death was my need for control and my longing for control and learning instead to trust in God. Um, And perhaps the the new thing that I feel like God is birthing this year um, is just more of an openness to that whatever comes my way, I can trust that it's actually something that's going to eventually work for my good. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a hard attitude to adopt, especially when things are coming your way that like seek to destroy you, that look like they're out to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember the promise of God that he works all things for our good yeah. and that he uses the things that were meant for our destruction for our eventual victory. And so I think that's maybe the thing that God's birthing in me this year is this attitude that whatever comes my way, I'm going to believe that it's adding towards my victory, that it's adding towards some sort of good that's resolved out of it for me. Wow. I was, I was 
you know, maybe some people were thinking that you're going to say losing your bet. <laughs> That's also but, uh, one of my <laughs> uh, side resolutions. Well, actually, I mean, speaking on that, I, I hurt my back two weeks ago and yeah. I'm a 33 old man and I found myself on the floor for nine hours and I couldn't get up. And then I had to use a walker for a week. And so it made me realize I got to st start taking my health really seriously. And so yeah. that's, that's probably another thing that I'm really going to focus on this year. Yeah, health. I mean, as a side note, though, Mickey's run a, a full marathon in San Francisco. So <laughs> I don't know a lot of people who's, who, who's, who've done that. Barely, so. barely. Yes. But <laughs> I am pretty proud of that. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Man, I like I like that paradigm shift that you had for this new year. I mean, especially with you starting off with that back injury. I mean, she said, "Oh, come on!" Like I put to death twenty twenty and everything that's happened, but kind of you know re-engaging with twenty twenty one even after your back injury and kind of taking everything as a way for God to ultimately introduce good into your life and all these trials and tribulations mean something, you know, tempering you to become that diamond in the rough. I think it would have yeah. been tough for me to experience physical pain at that level for two weeks, like visceral pain and not being able to do anything and to continue to have that outlook. I think that's very, <laughs> that's very commendable. I don't know if I did it successfully, but I tried. <laughs> it was hard, man. Shout out to my wife. I mean, I couldn't even use the bathroom by myself. And so she, she really helped me. She pulled me across the room on a blanket to the bed uh, by herself. And so she, oh she really helped me out. Uh, yeah. Is it okay for me to, I'm just going to say it. You're almost, were you butt naked or were you in your boxers? <laughs> the TMI version, I was getting out of the shower, putting on my boxers when I pulled my back. I fell to the floor, <laughs> buck naked. I was shivering because my my cold naked body was against the cold tiles of the floor. Um, it was it was the most humble experience that I've ever experienced in my life. It was it was a great moment. Oh my gosh! And then forgive me for my sins, Pastor. I didn't mean to <laughs> laugh at, at at your expense. Um, I'm sure it was very tough that day um but yeah i think I, I think i definitely resonate with your new year's resolution and also you putting to death 2020 and i think that every year is an opportunity for you to redeem yourself or to become a better version of yourself but there's a lot of people who are especially due to 2020 are uh, jaded or um, ambivalent to hope and faith for a better day and, and um, you know, forget about New Year's resolutions. A lot of people just write that off as like, it's probably going to be like working out and you're going to do it for a month in January mm. and then, you know, they're, they're going to quit and, you know, your New Year's resolutions are washed. So what's the point? But I think beyond that, I think people have been so inflicted with, with suffering and, and difficulties in 2020 that they've lost this idea of looking through the tunnel and seeing the light yeah um, and having this opportunity to pick yourself back up again because you've been you know pushed down so many times in 2020 so um mm. you know personally experiencing all the setbacks and also building up this new resolution for yourself 
that's very optimistic, but also pragmatic, looking forward to 2021. Um, what advice or um, tips or words of encouragement do you have for people who's moved on from 2020, but they don't see any hope in 2021? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think the older that I get and the longer that I've been doing this, I think it's such a where pastors are hardwired to try to break down everything into, you know, a, a five-step formula or a three-point sermon or some yeah. sort of acronym. Small but goals. I think, yeah. yeah. But I think the longer that I've been in this faith journey, I'm realizing more and more that God is so much bigger than the boxes that we try to put him in. And what might work for someone in one season might not necessarily work for someone else in that exact same season because we're all wired so differently. And I think maybe faith is a journey of deconstructing and then reconstructing and then deconstructing again and making constant pivots. And so I think to everyone, their journeys are so different, but I think the one constant is that they come honestly before God and they just open their hearts to try what they feel like God might be speaking to them that season. And so I think less formulaic, it's a lot more ambiguous and open-ended. It's harder to figure out because it forces you not to lean on someone else's three-point formula or advice, but to actually try to hear from God yourself and see where the spirit is leading. But I guess that would be my suggestion. Come honestly before God with whatever you have. Come with your disappointments, with your hopelessness. Maybe this year you're not meant to have resolutions or goals. Maybe this year's about laying down everything and learning to abide and rest. Or maybe this year God's saying, get off your butt, be more active, pursue me in these practical ways. I think the point is, come before God honestly and see where he's leading right now in this moment for you. I think that would be the most important thing. That's so good. I was, I was expecting you to say something different, but <laughs> I, I wasn't surprised actually with your answer. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid and, and, and came over to your church plant because, you know, you're not trying to fit, uh, circles into square pegs. You're not trying to use a hammer to, you know, punch in everything that's not a nail. Um, and I think that, you know, as you've mentioned, everyone has different ways of dealing with hardship and, and you know, the lows and the highs and, and figuring out issues and problems of their own. But uh, what tips do you have for maybe, you know, this podcast is for the modern Christian professional, but, you know, I'd hope to have atheists and agnostics and, you know, people who aren't Christian yeah, come on and, and, and listen as well. What advice would you have for anyone who's not Christian? I think you can see the evidence of good in this world if you look hard enough. And you can see and find reasons to hope. I mean, I think our news and our uh, social media, you know, pages are so flooded with all the negative news, which are very real. But I think maybe we need to train ourselves to actually see that there is actually good in humanity. There are good things that are happening right now. There are beautiful things that are happening right now. And so maybe for those who haven't found themselves rooting that hope and that truth in God, um, maybe they can find it evidence in the beauty of the good things that he is doing in this world, even if you don't believe there is a God. 
And so there's always some good and some hope that you could find, I think, if you look hard enough. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the secret to life, 2021. But, but yeah, I think, I think that's, that's a, a good place for us to um, stop the podcast. I mean, 2021 just began. And, you know, the, the thing that we can do the most now is to look for the gold nuggets in places where we think, you know, they shouldn't have existed or just stopping to smell the roses and, you know, experiencing the world for what it is, but always with um, a sense of optimism and maybe a sense mm. of, hey, not everyone in the world is actually out to get you. There are, like you mentioned, good in this world and it could be the smallest of things. Um, wow. So, man, well, there we have it. New Year. Isaac, it's, it's, been, it's been an honor. Um, this is probably my highlight of 2021 so far. I know it's only been 12 days, <laughs> but this was a great, enjoyable experience. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming on, uh, Pastor Mickey. I feel like I think we ran for 35, 40 minutes, but it, it just felt like literally like five seconds. I, I mean, I wish that we could go more, but, you know, um, I think this is a good place to leave off this session. Obviously, we want you to rest your rest your back as well. So do you have any um, plugs that you want to throw in or endeavors for the future that you wanted our listeners to know about? Yeah, there's this amazing podcast called Saints of SF. Um, <laughs> you're probably onto it because you're listening to it right now, but make sure to share it on your social media, plug it to your friends. I think what you're doing here is amazing and it's beautiful. It's highlighting what believers are doing here in the city of San Francisco and the Bay Area. And so I want to plug Saints of SF and of course our amazing church, 99church at 99.church on Instagram. Awesome. And we'll make sure to throw in those handles um, in uh, Saints of SF on Instagram. And uh, Pastor Mickey, don't forget to send me a beautiful photo of yourself. Although I do have some high quality photos of you. Like oh, more than I thought I did in, 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 my, uh, in my photos. So um, maybe I'll take a quick look at that to see if there's a beautiful photo of you. You definitely do not look like Russell. I think you're <laughs> a very handsome, handsome, stylish man. So Wow, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, Saints, there you have it. Um, episode 9, New Year's, New Resolutions with my very own pastor of 99 Church, uh, Michael Nicky Cho. All right, we're signing off. Hey Saints, thanks for tuning in. We'll be releasing episodes on the first three Saturdays of every month. See you soon.